You're listening to SpursCast, episode 567. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the SpursCast. Joining me for today's episode will be Project Spurs' John Diaz. Today, John and I will be discussing the Spurs' play in their last three games, and also the uh, type of games that DeMar DeRozan has been putting up in his last 11 games that has led to, led to him winning the Western Conference Player of the Week Award. Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm I'm good, man. I'm excited that we're. It's a better time to have this episode and to talk to you compared to the last time I was on, where I was just a factory yeah. of sadness and anger. <laughs> I know. Although you did call uh, Pop making that one switch. Uh, uh, what do you call it? At one time, remember with the starting oh yeah, lineup? benching benching DJ yeah. and and I got yeah. trolled to all hell on Twitter about it. And look what happened. The one time I was yeah. right. Yep, Pop did it. It only lasted for a few games, but you know it it helped, and then they got their rhythm, and then DJ went back into the starting lineup. So yeah, so so John did call that just uh, the last time he was here on the Spurs cast. All right, John. So let's go ahead and talk about the Spurs right now. Uh, since I last recorded with Michael DeLeon uh, last week, they got a win on the road, an impressive win in Boston. Um, you know, but at the time Boston was the number two seed. The Spurs had just come off beating Milwaukee in the AT and T Center, so they won that game pretty easily by fifteen, where they controlled uh, for most of the game. I know Kemba Walker got ejected in the second half. Um, uh, for for a charge call <clears throat> or an offensive foul, uh, then on um, or or I forgot what, what kind of possession it was. Anyway, he got, he he got ejected from the game. Then the Spurs uh, they 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 fell to a team who who uh, who might come into the playoff battle with them, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, the Spurs and Grizzlies right now are kind of jostling for position, and trying to get that that final eight seed. And the Spurs actually um, struggled there in Memphis on the road. Uh, uh, John Moran and company and, and um, uh, Jared Jackson Jr. handed them a 13-point loss on Friday night. Then on then on Sunday, it looked like the Spurs were headed toward another loss where they fell behind by 18 in Toronto against the Raptors. However, they made a really good comeback in the fourth quarter where uh, their defense popped into a zone scheme and it kind of threw off the, the Raptors. It, they only scored 22 points in the quarter and the Spurs were able to get the, get the stops and get uh, make their you know the crucial baskets uh, to end up winning that game by just one point. So so the Spurs did go two and one since I last recorded. Overall, as of Tuesday night, that John and I are recording the Spurs cast listeners, they are 17 and 21 overall, ninth out west. Um, they're six and four in their last ten, so playing 600 ball. Uh, offensively, they're still in the top ten. They're tenth, 110.7 points per 100. Defensively, pretty much where they've been in the 20s, so they're 21st, uh, allowing 111.5 points per 100. So they are getting these wins a lot with the offense. So John, just overall, before we go into, into um, DeRozan as a specific player, what have you seen from the Spurs? Uh, what I like, I, I kind of was hoping for a three and one road trip. Obviously, we've got my uh, they've got Miami Wednesday, um, and that loss to Memphis wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to switch to the zone, even just sporadically against Milwaukee and Toronto, and pull those wins out, I really do enjoy that. And who would have thought that the switch we talked about the personnel switching personnel because of the floor spacing with the need of Bryn Forbes and Trey Lyles to spread the floor. And now you've seen Trey Lyles' minutes drop because now you have floor spacing with LaMarcus. It's amazing what happens when he just steps five feet out. And, you know, we'll touch on DeRozan in a minute, but, but even that, the dunk on Chris Boucher when he took his soul, if you watch oh, yeah. it again, all five guys collapse in the paint. So even if he decides not to dunk it to kind of spark the guys, he had everybody open outside the three-point line ready to shoot that ball. And it's it's really great to see. I, I love crazy stats, and I did this in preparation. I just want to throw this out there early. So the Spurs are getting 32.5% of their points from the three in January. The last time that happened was October 2014 when they got 34.7% uh, of their points from three, and that was only two games in October. So it, it tells you how much has changed 
in just the last yeah. few months with the offense and how these guys have learned, hey, we got to spread the floor, let DeMar operate, and it's increased their efficiency wildly, even though their defense is still kind of middle of the road. No, for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, Mike and I um, spent a long a long episode last time just talking specifically about LaMarcus and the change he's gone through uh, to become a volume three-point shooter and how much it's helped out his offense as, as an offensive player, his efficiency, but also just the team in general. And now you're seeing that, uh, you know, a guy that we're going to focus on here in this episode is uh, we're going to highlight is DeMar DeRozan, how he's, how, how he's really, really um, – Taking that open space that, that Lamarcus is providing, as well as all the other shooters on the Spurs on the Spurs team, and he's taking it to another level where he was actually awarded um, Player of the Week honors, like you wrote about on ProjectSpurs.com. And, and as I get into the stats and a little bit about DeRozan, you're going to see that you know he's actually making more of a concerted effort as well to get rid of some of his bad shots. So so let's go ahead and dive into uh, this ep- this part of the episode about uh, DeRozan's play over the last eleven games. So. For the season, De- Demar scoring 22 points, uh, shooting 54 percent from the floor. Uh, Getting to the free throw line 6.2 times a night, 5.3 rebounds, 5 assists, 2.5 turnovers, and 34 minutes. Now, in the last 11 games, uh, he's, he's averaging 27 points, 63% shooting, 7.5 free throw attempts, 4.9 rebounds, 5.5 uh, assists, 2.1 turnovers, and just 33.5 minutes. So, he, so he's doing it less time on the floor. Now, let's go ahead and look at, you know, I really wanted to dissect, you know, how exactly is he scoring and what's going on here? What has exactly changed in his shot diet? Here's what's happening. Uh, in the restricted area, you know, that, that area within four feet of the rim, he's, um, he's, aver- he, he's averaging right now in the last 11, 5.5 um, attempts there, which is, uh, it's, it's about a one per, one, 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 um, one in, uh, Plus 0.6 increase, which is almost like one uh, if you round it up. And he's shooting 12% better. He's shooting 82% in, in, the, in the restricted area. For the season, he's shooting 70% there. I mean, he's just he's just one of the most efficient players, especially for a guard or, or wing, you would say, uh, getting there. It's mostly th- – those are kind of numbers only big guys usually put up. Uh, in the non-restricted area, he, he, his increases have, have went up by 0.6 as well. Uh, his, his accuracy has gone up by 7%. The mid-range, here's the big one. DeRozan normally takes 5.7 mid-range shots a night. He's down to 4.5 in these last 11 games, and he's shooting 7% better from mid-range. So, so one, you see that, again, that's what I mean by the concerted effort. He's actually staying away from the mid-range shot unless he absolutely has to take it. He's trying to get to the rim or get to the free throw line, and that's what the numbers show. Now, we obviously know he's not a three-point shooter. He's still not doing that. Even, even as remarkable as he's playing, he's rarely taking threes. Uh, he's taken, actually, in the last 11, 0.6 per game. He's shooting at, well, 43%, but again, that's such a low volume. Uh, that, that right now, because they have LaMarcus out there kind of taking up for the three-point shot, you also have a guy like uh, like Dejounte Murray, who's not afraid to shoot it anymore. Uh, th- that's going to help out DeRozan just kind of just do what he wants in the lane. Uh, his drive numbers have really increased dramatically as well. He's getting to the he's driving uh, against the defense twenty two point five times per game, shooting sixty nine percent on his drives, which is a an eleven percent increase in accuracy. He's getting to the free throw line um, about about over uh, one more time per game on his drives, and his assists have gone up on his drives. And then the most remarkable thing is that. Um, you know, the numbers are never going to look great for DeRozan uh, on defense. So so on offense overall for the year, uh, the Spurs score 110 points per 100, which is third uh, on the team in terms of individual players. D- defensively, uh, you know, his numbers are bad. They're third worst on the team. They're allowing 114. So his negative, his, his net rating, should I say, is a minus 3.8 points per 100 for the season. 
in these last 11 games, he when he's on the floor, they're scoring 120.5 points per 100, which is second best on the team, only behind LaMarcus. And their defense is still terrible, giving up 114.2 points per 100. So it's almost the exact same defense. But now, because of their increase in efficiency on offense, they're a plus 6.3 net rating with DeRozan on the floor. So I know all year you always look at their box scores. Him and LaMarcus has always been a negative most of the time. Now it's starting to become a positive because, again, they're starting to outscore teams. And just play modern basketball. Like, like I've talked about this on Twitter. The more you just play you actually increase your threes like you said john uh you're getting yourself in there and and not only is that the increase in threes like we just talked about DeRozan is getting to the rim he's taking the most efficient shots in basketball free throws and layups and and and, and it's showing because he's going away from the from the worst shot which is the mid-range shot so what do you want to say about DeRozan's play i i think it's kind of like it's it's a good judge of of his game when almost 30 percent of his points are coming from the free throw line it seems like he constantly tries to get calls and doesn't get them. And when he doesn't, he gets a technical and I don't blame him, but he's actually starting to get those calls now. And the whole thing is now that these guys, they're, they're making less of an effort to spread the floor in terms of they're not struggling to get open for a three. And maybe it's a bad shot or a contested three. These guys are constantly open because of the way DeMar is creating the cuts of the way he's driving into the paint. Like I think over 71% of his shots are unassisted. And it shows you that when he's in control and when he's got the ball, he can make things happen. But it also helps when you've got guys like Rudy Gay, all of a sudden his increase in three-point percentage from 14% in October to 44 this month alone. These guys that can actually hit shots now because they're getting the spacing, because they're getting the ball in a rhythm, it, it helps them a lot. And the defensive numbers, I don't ever expect them to be great. Part of it is also personnel with who he plays with on the floor, especially in that starting unit. But, you know, it, we've seen – so many different guys that just are contributing now more because of his ability to drive into the paint that you're only going to hopefully see more consistency on offense. And if they start respecting him more, these guys like Rudy and LaMarcus and Bryn and DJ Derek, they can do a lot more off the ball and score and contribute in better ways that leave DeMar just however he can just get whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, so so yeah, it's definitely you know obviously led to a lot of success lately uh, for them, especially with the with DeRozan just being able to get to where he wants, like you just mentioned there, John. And, and you saw that um, in the league's taking notice. I mean, he was awarded like we just mentioned uh, uh, the Player of the Week honors uh, for this past week, and John wrote about that on Product Spurs. If you want to check it out, Spurs Cast listeners. So so again, the, uh, the, the league's taking notice. Um, I, I want to go back to a point you made there, and, and I I one hundred percent agree there. I, I just think that at this point, I mean, we have almost forty games of data now you're just not going to see uh, a lot of um, improvement defensively uh, as long as pop keeps playing most of these same lineups. Right. I think you agree with that. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, so what we are seeing though, is that the Spurs are going to try to outscore you and, and basically, yeah, like outscore you in, in terms of uh, uh, efficiently outscoring you while playing your type of game a little bit more now by shooting threes, by getting uh, layups and, and shots at the rim but also by being a low turnover team. So they're not hurting themselves on offense. They're actually first in the league and turnover percentage of the Spurs. So, so I think that's kind of where they're banking on their money right now is to, to get the best out of this group right now that they can. And, and they're getting that, you know, with DeRozan going away from mid range and, and becoming just a mainly like a free throw uh, dishing kind of guy who, who's scoring in the paint while LaMarcus is out there becoming your volume three point shooter, along with uh, a lot of the other guys on the roster, like you mentioned there. Um, so, yeah. So, so let's go ahead and get into another uh, part of this conversation with DeRozan, and, th- and that's his chances at making the All Star team. So I'm actually really bad at this part of the of, the, of just being in the media business. I, I just I just never do well with this. Like I think last year I had written a, a piece and I thought DeRozan would get in the All Star game. It ended up being Aldridge. I was totally wrong. And then like the year before that, I got somebody wrong. So so I, I always struggle with here. So, so I like to, I like that you're on, on the Spurs cast, John, to, to to discuss this with me. So 
Uh, I've gone through the the NBA fan voting of the last um, the last release, uh, and here's who who would start out, out west right now. And I think that this pretty much must stick. Uh, you got Luka Doncic at, at the guard position. You got James Harden at the guard position. At the uh, for, front court is what they're calling it. You have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, and you have Kawhi Leonard. So I think those five are pretty much going to stay the same, right? Do you think those are locks, pretty much? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you've got Alex Caruso, aka Lonzo Bald, getting <laughs> fan votes, I, I, you know, I don't expect a fan vote to look at Demar and look at Lamarcus and try to get him in the game. So yeah, that's going to be a lock. Yeah, yeah, and, and Lamarcus and Demar aren't even um, even ranking in the top ten of of, of the uh, guard guard position or or the four yeah. front court position. So let's really go to the bench now on, on this guard rotation. So here are the, the the guards that I wrote down that I think are, are eligible: uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander of OKC. Uh, you got DeRozan of the Spurs. You got Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz. You got Russell Westbrook of the, the Rockets. Uh, Chris Paul of the of the Thunder. John Morant of the Grizzlies. Dame Lillard of the Blazers, and then Devin Booker of the Suns. Now, the hard thing with all those players is that you're going to have to eliminate some players. And um, you know, the the the, the All Star teams are allowed to have four four um, guards really, and then uh, what is it? One, two, three, yeah, six um, front court players, and then two wild cards who can be any position. So. Um, I really think that, like, uh, when you look at the guards, um, you know, right now I penciled in uh, uh, Shea Gildas Alexander uh, uh, as one of the spots because OKC I think has the seventh re- uh, the seventh best record out west right now. And then I, you know, he's th- coming off that twenty one rebound triple double too. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. So yeah, there you go. And then um, I put, um, you know, because I, I know Chris Paul's numbers look, look, look good too. Like Chris Chris Paul's averaging almost like seventeen six and five. Shea uh, SGA is at twenty three and six. But every time I've watched the Spurs play the Thunder, I just feel like it's it's, it's SGA who's the problem for them. He's the guy that they can't stop. That really gives OKC the chance to beat San Antonio. Now. Um, you know, this is where where it gets interesting. You know, I I wonder if it would be uh you know who is those who are those last two players or or does do the coaches even give it to four guards in, in that case? Maybe here here's why I penciled in right now as, as the backups. There, there's four backups for the guard spot: uh, SGA, uh, DeRozan, Dame Lillard, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who do you think I'm wrong on, or what do you, what do you think there? What what are you what are you looking at? I think Lillard might be wrong just because I've I've watched Portland a lot lately and. Portland is one of the worst teams I've seen, especially defensively. Yeah. And Lillard's been settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers. Same thing with, um, oh my God, I can't, oh, CJ McCollum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand what's going on in Portland, but they're struggling a lot. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a lock, especially with okay, Utah's okay. 15 and 2 in their last 17 games. And- that is absurd how good Utah's gotten out of nowhere. So you think Mitchell's uh, in there? Okay. DeMar- yeah, I, I, think, I think you've got SGA, Chris Paul. So we've got SGA with that 21 rebound triple double. I think last night, Chris Paul <clears throat> leads the league in fourth quarter points. Yes, I believe the last yes. time I checked with absurd, yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that he's having a better season than Russell Westbrook. I mean, I don't think we any of us <laughs> would have seen that coming. Um, and, and the other factor that we've got to think, I think the head coach for the West right now would be Frank Vogel. Is that correct? Because with the Lakers yeah, being the uh, yeah. best record. Mm-hmm, that's correct. Yeah. So it's it's does Frank Vogel have any kind of connection to DeMar from his time in Indiana, from his time in Orlando? Does he decide that he wants to pick him? Is uh, you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of different factors in there, but I think DeMar still has a chance to get in. And I like the Spurs being sneaky in that press release for player of the week. Forward Spurs forward DeMar DeRozan, not guard. Oh, wow. So maybe they want to try to angle him into that front court, but you know, the NBA probably has that set up a different way. So I, I think it'd be foolish to not say DeMar gets in and LaMarcus's three-point shooting kind of helps him even get some kind of recognition. But, man, uh, SGA, Chris Paul, and Donovan Mitchell, to me, are locks. And I don't understand who who you could bump out or 
what other spots you could put in there. Oh, okay. So, so you're saying um, you said Mitchell, CP3, and SGA are in for you. Those are locks. So then, for sure. So then, if for sure, and I think maybe Demar would be that fourth. Yeah. One. Okay. So yeah. So if the coaches went to like a wild card, a second guard wild card, and then I think DeRozan gets in. Uh, I see what you mean there about the calling him a forward because I mean, really, he is a three at this point. That's all the spot plays him as is a three. Yeah. And then every now and then he'll even give him some minutes at the four when he does those small ball lineups with the Marcus at the five. Uh, so so yeah. I mean, if they were to put him in the front court, I think it gets a little bit harder to make it. Uh, because then you got like Paul George there for sure. You got Jokic there, and then you, I see Gobert. Do you think he's a lock? What do you think? If not, I have Gobert as far as the bigs. Gobert, uh, Aldridge, and, and Towns. Who do you th- with, with with Utah success? Yeah, and yeah. I think Towns Towns has been kind of iffy this season. So has Minnesota, um, especially like Nas Reed has been coming off really good lately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, I find it hard to put a, to kind of slot him in there, but. You know, you never know with these coaches, and you don't, you never know what's going to happen with injuries. I mean, Paul George has been sitting out a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kawhi sits out, even though I doubt he misses an All Star game for load management at this point. But yeah, it, it's kind of hard to predict. But I think Demar still kind of sneaks in at the end. And ba- based on where the records are at right now, uh, Memphis actually is eighth. They're technically in front of the Spurs as the night you and I are recording this. So let's say that we get to. Um, the, the week that this or, or the day before the coaches have turned their ballots, uh, which I think is in late January. Um, and, and Memphis is still at number eight there. Do you think they, they even get an all-star of the Grizzlies or do you think it's like a situation like the Clippers last year where they didn't really get an all-star, even though they were a playoff team? I still feel like they do. I feel like Jaws yeah. just kind of put on this season in, in terms of just the excitement that he brings and his game is just a whole nother level that we haven't seen in the NBA in a long time for a rookie. He's, he's just really confident. He's, great on offense and defense and i've i've enjoyed watching him since last year i mean just the, the way that he took over even in the tournament i didn't even have his team going that far i think they had him getting out in the first round because i'm like john Morant can't carry these guys by himself but he did wow. he did and he can so yeah uh I, yeah it, it what i would like to see if you know the spurs are three and three in january and they've got a nice decent stretch coming up where they can make up some ground mm-hmm. even though you've got at miami and then versus miami coming up They've, they've got a decent stretcher. They can get themselves back into the playoff picture and help someone's case like a DeMar or LaMarcus make this all-star team. Yeah, for sure. So so I think that we both think that DeMar is a pretty good chance. We're not going to say he's a lock yet, right? But we're going to say he has a decent chance of getting it for sure. Uh, I mean, he's putting up – I think the Spurs press release even said that he's putting up numbers that we haven't – a stretch of basketball we haven't seen that outside of LeBron and yeah, Michael Jordan. Sure. I mean, come the, on. Uh, Let the guy play. <laughs> Give him 10 minutes in the All-Star yeah. game. Let's have some fun. Yeah, so, yeah, he's shooting over – what was it? Right now in the last 11 specifically, he's shooting over 50% and averaging over 20 a night. Like, that, that's just the minimum, over 50%. And so, like, one of the stats I wanted to read you earlier, I forgot during his, his segment, was, uh, you know, as a Monday night, I was just putting this list together and players shooting over 70% in the restricted area and over 180 field goal attempts in there. Uh, DeMar's just one of 13 players doing that, and most of those guys are bigs. The only guards – wings that are out there that are doing it are Luka Doncic, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Devin Booker, and I don't know if you can, no, Jabari Parker's pretty much a big at this point, even though, you know, um, he, he's more like a four. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's really it. Like that he's like one of like the top three uh, guards slash forwards who's actually putting up these kind of, these kind of insane paint numbers. So yeah, I think that we both feel pretty confident that, that DeMar has a really good shot of getting in uh, to the 2020 All-Star game, as long as his play continues to, to kind of stay close to this level um, until the voting um, ends here. Uh, and then since, um, you know, we're on the, we're on the topic of Demar. Um, when I was on a Toronto radio station for Sunday's game, and and one of the questions I got was, do you, do you know what do you think because of how well he's playing? What do you think just early on right now? What do you think is going to uh, happen? So I guess my two questions to yours: you, you don't think he's going to get moved to the deadline, correct? At the trade deadline? No, no not yeah. not at all. 
I, I think I think if we see anyone moved, it, it'll be either Marco or Bryn, and even then I don't see either one of those happening. Maybe Damari, just because if he shows any signs of unhappiness yeah. and maybe just wants to get his minutes. So you signed him for three years. You would think he'd get some kind of playing at this point, but he hasn't. But all that's you know that's someone the same thing with Rudy. That's a guy that's a friend with Demar, and maybe they kind of like sign him as a favor. They love what he can probably bring. Demari's obviously been a professional about it all year, and you never know what's going to happen at the deadline. But I I feel like the Spurs have given themselves every reason to not make a move at the deadline. I, what I'm curious to see is coming up this summer. I think the Athletic wrote a piece that if as long as the Spurs don't keep. Jakob Pertl and Bryn Forbes over market value, they can probably still sign DeMar and not be a tax team. Mm. So I, I think that's moving forward. That's something to watch. And if they will make sure if they do sign Jakob, because Jakob's obviously been incredible and a big like that with, you know, not a lot of money available could get a crazy contract from somebody, even though he'll be restricted. Uh, maybe that's where you kind of move a Bryn or a Marco to try to get some relief for the summer and keep DeMar under, under the cap or under the, under the tax. Yeah, this is a, this is a side part of the conversation, but it's something you just mentioned. I kind of want to talk about a little bit. Uh, and, and that's uh, the, the case of DeMar Carroll. I, I know that, um, you know, he hasn't played at all really this, this entire year. And I've talked to a few media guys at the Spurs games and I've just said, like, I think my, this is just my, my opinion or my, um, my, my prediction. I just think that they are um, maybe like, maybe like they're, they're talking with his agent and, and seeing if there's a suitor out there, like a trade trade destination, uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, when he signed this deal, he thought that, you know, he'd be getting some minutes or, or getting a role. And because of the emergency, of Trey Lyles because of the emergence of Lonnie Walker, and then you still have Bellinelli there. There's really no no minutes for him uh, on this team right now, unless you know uh, you know an injury happens. Of course, you don't want that to happen. Uh, so I do think that it would be kind of like what we saw with the Palgasol situation. Now, not a buyout, but you know, if, if a guy's lost his spot, he's not going to earn yeah. a spot. I think I think Pop and and the, and the organization are, are, are professionals to say, okay, we'll explore the market for you. See see if, if there is a taker, you know, a team that will be willing to trade for you. If there is a team out there, well, then I think I think that maybe we do see Carroll get moved before the deadline. Line, but if there's not a course, well, then I, you know, he'll, he'll finish out his deal because again, he's not, he's not, Powell was in the final year of his contract or, or coming up on that. Damari still has, you know, he's signed a three year yeah. deal, seven and a half million. So he still got paid really well. But again, I think that um, maybe they are exploring the market to see where, where they can get him, um, you know, if a playoff team wants him. But to take that number at seven and a half million, uh, maybe that's, that's a situation that might be happening. Go ahead. And, and even long term, like you look at this roster, the, the roster construction, they're going to need his size some sort of way because. Uh, you know, Derek White, 6'5", uh, DJ, 6'5", Keldon Johnson, 6'5". Keldon may play a three in here and there, but they're going to need his length somewhere down the line. And, you know, Trey Lyles, you got him real cheap. He's probably proven that he can get paid a lot more. I think he signed a two-year deal with the next, last year's yeah, not yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the first call. Yeah, it's a partial guarantee. Yeah, so so and then Damari, I think the the third year is, not, is a partial guarantee also. But that's that's something where you you've had this guy – under your system for mm-hmm. this season, he obviously came from Brooklyn and kind of is familiar with the Spurs the way in the Spurs system also in that respect, where you're probably going to need him down the line or next season. So maybe it's a long-term investment. Either way, I don't think un- unless a right deal comes along for them, for someone like Marco or Bryn, and Bryn's contract is so small that I don't use, I don't see him getting moved unless it's for like a second-round pick. And even then, why would you trade when you're starting guards for that? Yeah, I, I don't think this team makes a, any kind of deadline move, and we just keep moving forward to next year. What do you think is more likely, just in your opinion, um, DeMar opts out of his deal, uh, or he opts in, or the Spurs give him like a one to two year extension? Out of those, out of the, Ooh, out of those that's two a choices. good one. And, and let's say uh, he let's say he keeps playing uh, like playing I like this. I can't pick anything off that. Yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I 
so so we'll I, I want to put it in the perspective also of like what what are the rumors have been out there because we saw Orlando you know Detroit's looking for to try to move Drummond or Blake Griffin Griffin's hurt obviously Drummond's been kind of like a head case over there and looks like he's going mm-hmm. to Atlanta uh, Aaron Gordon just came back from injury Jonathan Isaac's hurt Aaron Gordon's also been really poor this year even though he hit the game winner against Sacramento last night Aaron Gordon hasn't been playing great um, I, I think it's more likely that Demar mm-hmm. opts in and tries to see what the cap situation is for the following summer because I, I don't see a team that has the cap space and a situation where DeMar would say, yeah, yeah, I'm in. And obviously he has a special relationship with Pop. Team USA is coming up. He might be part of the team depending on who's in mm-hmm. and who's out. If the way he keeps going, I think it's just easier to pick up the option and move forward. And we'll just put it off for another summer. That's where my mind's at too. You know, as far as looking ahead to the summer, uh, I just think that he's either going to opt in for that twenty-seven million, or he's either, or maybe he and this. If if he continues playing like this, you know, t- going away from the mid-range, taking these really good efficient shots while Lamarcus continues to space the floor, etc. Well, then I think that for sure that they might want to do like a one or two year extension kind of deal, but maybe not a, maybe not a three or four year. That's a little bit longer. Yeah. But again, just to see, you know, and it also depends too. Like I told the, the Toronto radio station, you know, how, how far the Spurs go in the playoffs. You know, you know, is it a competitive round one or a round two? Or, or yep. is it like pretty much you know just pretty much over and, and, and they're, they're just so exposed because their 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 liabilities on defense. So so we'll see kind of what happens. Uh, like, like we just wanted to talk about you know Demar's having a really good year right now, uh, especially at this point to, to be named the Western Conference Player of the Week uh, on the Spurs. And of course with the All Star voting coming in pretty soon, uh, that that's a good time to be maybe having your some of your most efficient play. So um, thank you, John, for joining me on the Spurs Cast episode five hundred sixty seven. Uh, before I close it, close out this episode, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Colin Reed's latest pieces about why the Spurs' recent success means it's likely going to be a quiet trade deadline for the team. Uh, John also wrote about the, uh, the DeRozan's Western Conference of the Play- Player of the Week honors, like we mentioned earlier. And then Benjamin Bordstein's latest prospect watch is over Daniel Oturo, Oturu of Minnesota. As always, sign up to become a Project Spurs premium member so you can get access to our different databases that are updated after each Spurs game. This episode was written and recorded by me, Paul Garcia. As always, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. For John Diaz, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day.